Hi, this is James Devine, and I am an educator who has come out of the trenches. Listen in as my friend and colleague Dana Goodyear shares stories and tips from other educators who have come out of the trenches. Welcome to the Out of the Trenches podcast. This is Dana Goodyear. Thanks for listening. The next guest is Rob Martinez. He's well known as Resiliency Guy and Dr. Rob. He's a 35-year educator, and he focuses on issues of resilience and <clears throat> strives to build environments where children and adults can grow and work in peace. Dr. Martinez is continually focused on improving and expanding educational opportunities for students. He strives to advance understanding of resiliency research for all his employees, students, and their families. He seeks to support all district personnel with advancing their personal and professional skills, knowledge, and expertise, and work with children as unique individuals with unlimited capacities. He's written a blog for years, published The Story of Sparkle and Shine, Never Forgot, and is a contributing author to the 100 No-Nonsense Things That All Teachers Should Stop Doing and That All Leaders Should Stop Doing. His new book, Lead with Resilience, was published in March 2023. In it, he shares lessons from his life and his recipe for resilience. Dr. Martinez holds a BA in psychology and an MA in education, both from the University of California, Davis. He's extremely proud to have earned his educational doctorate in educational leadership and management with a concentration in human resources from Drexel University. He's able to provide keynotes, a consultation, and training on building resilient cultures that create powerful, safe places for our children and adults to learn, grow, and develop peace. He believes in building resilience in each person. Equitable and safe places is of paramount importance. Well, welcome to the podcast, Rob. Oh, my gosh. It's so wonderful to be here with you, Dana. Thank you so much. Well, it's great to have you on as well, since your book is uh, basically about what the podcast is about, (laughs) resiliency, right? And exciting to um, have this conversation. Uh, We've met in person at the Teach Better Conference back in October, and We've been connected for a while, uh, but I'm going to have uh, you start off with uh, your trench story. So tell me about a time when you were in the trenches and managed to crawl out. Wow. Okay. So you you really got me thinking about this, and I wanted to share something that is really important to me. So I, I'm going to go back a little bit. And a part of the story that I tell in Resilience is from my own life. And while I won't get into the nitty gritty, because again, that's part of engaging with people, But one of the aspects that I had to deal with is now going back a ways. I'll say I was a young 15-year-old kid, a man-child, I like to call myself. And, you know, I finished my sophomore year in high school. And I talk about this a little bit in the book, but I was involved in everything. I was in chamber singers, in football, in baseball, in leadership, in band, in jazz band, just I was immersed in school and the early story was school was really keeping me focused. Uh, All the wonderful, amazing people that were part of that culture. And I lived right across the street from the high school. Well, as uh, things happen again, my dad found a new love of his life and decided we're moving. We're selling the old homestead. We're buying a new place. And what I did is I convinced uh, he and his wife uh, to allow me to keep going to school as a sophomore to finish my year 
And what I ended up doing was getting up at about 4.30 in the morning, mm-hmm. myself ready. My dad was an early riser too, so I'd see him. And then off I'd go hiking to the bus stop uh, in the morning, catch the early bus or sometimes that dangerous activity of hitchhiking we used to do and get myself 25 miles to the school. Now, at the time, we still had the old house. So I'd go to the old house and kind of hang out in there, keeping myself safe, and then get to school, do all of the school things, and stay at school till about 5.30, 6 o'clock at night, depending on what was happening, get on the bus and get back home. And again, 25 miles, just kind of all on my own. And as life goes on, and I had a great plan of doing this for the next two years of my life, like I can do this, that's okay. I love this plan. And what happened is that my dad said, no, you Mm -hmm. can't do this. You can't do this anymore. We're going to move you schools. We're gonna have you go to a new place. And you know, a lot of the stories I tell in the book helped me through this time of now figuring out what do I do? How do I start again? Where do I connect? Um, And so I tried. I really did try. Uh, But now that year as a junior, what happens? More pressure, more trauma, more struggle for me personally, where it's almost I'm ready to quit school, ready to Mm -hmm. just disappear. Uh, ready to become a statistic, uh, if you will. And, uh, you know, I escaped my home that year. So as a young man of uh, 16 is when I left home. And the one huge thing that got me reconnected was another school. And it was another group of people who were trying to do the right things, who were trying to support students, community, uh, and my brother, I write about that in the book, you know, he kind of needed to get regrounded. Mm-hmm. But the themes of finding support, my mom had instilled early on, keep going, keep going to school. It's a safe place. It's a safe place. And, you know, I thought about that, that oftentimes those early struggles help. Maybe we relive them in our lives. Uh, mm-hmm. But for me, those struggles help me find the guiding path for me to find a way to support other students, other families, other educators. Uh, And so being able to overcome that and pull through with the help of educators. Mm -hmm. uh, And I think that's really just been a strong, powerful lesson for me about the important work that educators do. And I say educators broadly, including our classified folks, our support staff, our teachers, our administrators, everybody. Because it really does take us all at different levels. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's that's part of the story. I'll share that with you. Uh, yeah. That's a lot of what I ended up doing in my life. So um, you said you include this story in Recipes for Resilience. But tell me a little bit about uh, what your book's about for those who are interested in diving deeper. Yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, the book has kind of been a, a, a work of heart for many years. Mm-hmm. And what I wanted to do was share some of the early stories that I had about framing, have, having examples and having mm-hmm. lessons and having resources mm-hmm. really taught to me by a strong family early mm-hmm. on. 
Mm -hmm. uh, and so I had all these ideas about, well, what would I share about my life? Uh, and, and not that I have the most interesting life in the world, but I had a pretty wonderful childhood growing up. I mean, we were in the heart of Southern California, East Los Angeles area, uh, a wonderful Mexican-American family. We're finding our identity, getting education, really kind of moving through. And then our family hit trauma. And my mother passed away uh, really well when I was 13, which was initial huge hit on our family. And again, issues of lessons learned early on resources. I think she shoved in my head, you know, when she was, you know, as, as a mother and a parent uh, and through our family, those lessons were important to me. And I kind of kept cycling through and using those resources, those supports to learn. I also then, as I was, I mentioned living with a brother, we started talking a lot about what resilience is uh, and through his story, my story, the stories of our family kind of realized, you know, we can get through, we can keep going. So as I started putting this together with now the lessons I've learned as an educator uh, from teachers, with teachers, from students, with students, their families, parents, uh, I wanted to share some of those ideas so that educators could look at this book mm -hmm. and learn a little bit about me and my development struggles, because I always think it's important that we know people we're learning from, just yeah. like we know our students, uh, so that we have a bigger connection. And I really kind of frame those two ideas uh, with, uh, you know, the design to talk a little bit about my life, mm -hmm. share some of the lessons that I believe are important that that we can help other students learn now, and give some real examples to educators about why relationships are important and how to do that, uh, about how we focus on the relevant things and how to do that, uh, about how we you know really build uh, resolve to ch to change things, to improve things, and help our students really acquire these characteristics. The way I look at it in the end is that resilience isn't something that's kind of sprinkled on the select few. I really believe that every single person. Uh, has a res latent resiliency, and many of people have tapped into it. And me, many people have been resilient, but they don't recognize it. Mm -hmm. They just kind of, well, I got lucky. I got through this. And it's like, you know, when you sit and you talk to people, it's their early stories. It's their early lessons. It's the resources they've developed that help them through that. And there comes to a place of empowerment when people realize, you know, I've been through some challenges, but I've been able to get through. Or I see a challenge coming and what do I need to get through? And again, helping our students develop those skills through process, through uh, you know mentorship, however it needs to be, we give them more power to be ready for that next adversity that's going to come. Uh, so I really wanted to kind of craft this book so that there's lessons, there's some guidance. And, and I tell people it is not like a program. Right? You can't just get the book and go, oh, let me implement this program. It's really a process of people reflecting, understanding what their story is, who helped them early on in their development, and make a purposeful plan to help our students. Uh, when people do that and they start doing the things that are really going to make a change for kids, you get hooked and you realize, wow, I really can make this difference for kids. 
Uh, and I think that's a great story for people to really feel good about their, their teaching and connecting with people. It's so important, especially coming out of the pandemic and now really kind of elevating the importance of our educators, uh, you know, across the nation. So they really feel good and that they know that they made right decisions by entering this field of education. And they really do make a difference. Yeah. And I really love how you bring forward, like some of the things that you went through as a kid and how us as educators, we can uh, think about some of our stories, even if they were several decades ago. Right. And we might've thought, okay, we got through it. Wasn't that big a deal, but Right. Really, um, you know, coming to terms with these are things that we were resilient from. We can help teach our students resilience as well through our experience. Um, so I wanted to ask you a little bit about your writing process because sure. you've been connected. You're both in California and you've been connected to um, Dave Burgess for a while. And um, how did you kind of uh, kind of take the plunge, I would say, in making sure this book came to fruition? <laughs> That's kind of a great idea of taking the plunge. For me, it was like a, I ran around the pool a bunch of times. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, and that's okay. Yeah. Because I had this idea that I wanted to share. And yeah. yes, I would share with my teams. I'd share with my administrators, my teachers. And it's like, you know, I think there's a bigger idea that it's worth, there's value in it. Yeah. And so it was probably about nine years ago now where I connected with Dave Burgess and, you know, and I actually saw Dave. And, and if anybody's ever not seen Dave Burgess, you know, on stage, get in the room uh, because it's just an incredible experience. And, you know, in fact, one of the big things that he stuck with me is if you want uncommon results, you have to give an uncommon experience. And so I really kind of just bought in. I love that yeah. concept. Because I kind of feel like throughout my career, I've always tried to do things a little differently and be mm -hmm. stand up a little bit more and and say, it's okay, let's try this. Let's try this. As a principal, I was, let's try this. As a psychologist, let's try this. And so in seeing that and being inspired by him, I started putting the ideas together that were kind of there. Uh, and we talked and we talked and I said, I think this can be something. I think it can really lead into a book uh, that can help people think differently about resilience, think differently about their practice and their impact. And so, you know, in, in conversations with him, we decided, all right, write a few, write, a, write some words down, Rob. And so I really kind of started focusing on that. And it was a different kind of writing uh, than working on a dissertation project, sure. than working on grant projects, mm -hmm. uh, and really kind of getting personal uh, as well. Because I, I tried to, again, bring some real authenticity to what I was sharing. And so, it's been, and you know, we've used the word, the reiterative process of yeah. writing and rethinking and writing and rethinking. And, you know, I, I was falling almost a victim to the, you know, perf you know, so focused on perfection that we're not, we're, we're stopping the good writing from coming. Sure. But I really kind of freed myself to just spit it out. And I probably had too many words that I spit on the page. And so that's where the process of connecting with Dave and, again, their team of just wonderful people, then honing back in the message and thinking about what we wanted to share. Uh, and so, you know, we've gone through some editing, then some re-editing, then some rewriting, and some clarity of message uh, so that it's not a, you know, behemoth that people can't get through. It, it mm -hmm. really tries to focus in on some essential elements. Sure. And that's what we got to the recipes for resilience. Well, these eight big components 
uh, but ways to think things through uh, that I think can help our educators, help our community, and really, at the end result, help our students. Because if they have opportunities to develop these skills, we're all going to be better off in the future. So in the process with Dave and the team, again, kind of putting it all together, seeing a horizon. Uh, and then, again, we reached that that horizon in the beginning of March of this year where it hit Amazon and it hit out there and, and just sharing with people. Uh, and again, I've had the ability to really connect with so many wonderful education leaders and talk about it. Uh, so we're hoping it kind of gets some traction and people think about we have great PD we need, academic focused, instructional focused, uh, and also mental health and and emotional connectedness to kids focus about why we do it all. And so I'm hoping that, again, people go, let me take a look at this. And then realize these are the types of things that my teachers also need, my support staff needs, my parents need, all for the greater good of our students, quite frankly. Yeah, I think that's a great um, thing to consider uh, for next school year and people thinking about like focusing on the uh, caring SEL basically for students and SEL for teachers as well. And Absolutely. Finding out, you know, how you can develop the relationships with students. So I mentioned in your bio, you have a few other um, writing projects that you've done. So the story of Sparkle and Shine, you say it was a self-published book you put out uh, five years ago. Um, so tell me a little bit about that book. You know, that was such a weird experience. And, and I, what happened is that I had a dream. Mm-hmm. And, it, and, and it, I didn't even know exactly when it was, but I had this vivid dream where I saw this book in my head and it was a little story and it was a little story about elves. And it was a little bit of story about an elf who was like, I am just stuck in this place and mm-hmm. I've got to do something to change it. And so really the elf goes through a process of almost self-actualization to realize I'm going to try something. I'm going to try something that I heard about maybe used to occur. I'm going to try being nice. <laughs> I'm going to try being nice. And what does that mean? And so in the book, I share the story of, you know, Sparkle and, you know, just how he really kind of starts thinking things differently about spreading positive actions regarding kind, loving encounters. And uh, it was an idea that actually we started in one of my work locations and and uh, one of the my colleagues and I, we said, we need some sparkle around here. We need some sparkle. Yeah. And so the idea came and we started tracking positivity and things we're doing for each other. So the book came out that Sparkle started saying, good morning to people. And how are you doing? <laughs> and let me get your coffee. And yeah. you know, letting the other car, the other elf mobiles go. And so it was this whole living event in my head. And, uh, and again, through this process of little Sparkle kind of engaging with his world differently, he started a new shine and significantly helped increase niceness everywhere. And so the power of elves, the power of positivity, the positivity, that the the reactions that come. So I, again, in the story, all of a sudden shine is created and shine happens to be one of the tiniest little elves you've ever seen, but he came out of this magic. 
And so again, when I woke up in the morning, my wife kind of thought, you know, what's wrong with you? You were tossing and turning all night. And I said, mm -hmm. I had a story in my head. So I had to get to the laptop and write out this story. And the fun thing about that story is that then I've kind of created this whole sparkle, shine, sparkle, shine. And there's a little you know, trick in the book about turning, uh, if you're with kids and you have little presents and, and you pass presents around, you know, you say sparkle and it goes left and you say shine and it goes right. And <laughs> I've, done, I've done this presentation by reading this book to, you know, classrooms of 24, little yeah. kindergarten kids passing a pencil or, you know, 150 administrators passing little positive notes around and uh -huh. mayhem ensues and laughter ensues. But the simple lessons about people creating a difference yeah. simply because they chose to is really a heartfelt message at the end. Mm -hmm. So again, a little simple story. And uh, it's been out there again. I kind of self-published it on, on through, through Amazon and uh, I'm actually getting ready to kind of, regroup with it with because i i put it out there without illustrations i'm just like here's the idea boom because i didn't know yeah. what i was doing and but now again i've had people kind of say you know what again a simple idea but let's do a little bit more with it because it, it's the kind of thing that we need especially sure. for our educational culture and we need to laugh and we need to have fun and we need to realize sometimes the very simplest of things or what's going to make a difference for us. So, you know, I, it's which is interesting because I did a little story a couple of months ago around the holidays with our department. And one of the tech gentlemen came into my office the other day. He's like, oh, sparkle and shine. And, he showed, <laughs> and we start laughing and he's, but that's it. Like it replays itself because you put a seed of positivity in somebody and that comes back. So yeah. if people yeah. are interested, reach me, hit me up. I think I put even a reading of the story out on YouTube at one point. It's probably still out there. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's always um, <laughs> beneficial to put, you know, in classrooms or have with uh, teams, um, you know, during a PD. Uh, you've also written, as I mentioned, for the 100 Stop series. So the 100 Things All Teachers Should Stop Doing, we've uh, contributed towards, and all the uh, 100 Things All Administrators Should Stop Doing. So Let's talk about the um, the one the chapter that you wrote for the uh, administrator book. You sure. said it was entitled "No One Has Time to Leave." Oh gosh, yeah, that was wild. Mm -hmm. And you know, I I was thinking about this. I wrote this story because, again, sometimes we hear of tales of people just staying in their jobs a little too long, sure. losing the luster of why we're doing what we're doing. And you know, I've through my years of experience, I've had a few people who's like, oh, you should probably retire. I just, you think this, we don't ever say it to people. Yeah. But when, when the when the real, when the, the chapter design came out, I said, let me write this. Know when it's time. And I, and I didn't mean it to be like, to hurt anyone's feelings. Sure. But there's also a level of commitment that educators have to have, administrators have to have, that it's not going to always be easy. And yeah. so I wrote the book, I wrote the chapter kind of saying, if if you're not loving being at the school, being with kids, all the things education, then really think about stepping aside, finding the sunset. And so, you know, I wrote it out and I put it away and I sent it in to the publishers, you know, uh, Rick Jeter and, and just kind of waited. And, and it was great. And they go through their process as well. Well, I found myself in a situation probably about eight, nine months later. 
And I had left one administrative position and I'd taken a little time and I just about considered retiring. And I thought, well, let me try this other thing. And I got into this situation and I was not having fun. It was not a great situation, uh, quite frankly. Uh, and uh, there's probably going to be another book about that one, but it was just not a great situation. Sure. And I was going through some of my things and I found my manuscript for the chapter. And I read the chapter and I went, oh, you knucklehead. You kind of wrote yeah. yourself a letter months ahead of time. Wow. And I thought, you know what? I need to leave this place. And, and it's not that I wasn't feeling that I still was doing some good for sure. the people, but it wasn't resonating with my heart, mind, soul and everything I was aligned with that I really could be here and should be here. So I stepped away and I stepped away and it was a great decision for me. But as sometimes happens, we step away from one thing and another opportunity. will. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get back to the episode. Welcome. Uh, and so now, again, I did not go through retirement. And I re-entered uh, work in the Antioch Unified School District in the East Bay of Northern California. Uh, and I'm here as their chief human resources officer. And I just love it, Dana. I love it. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, human resources. But for me, it yeah. gives me that opportunity to really talk with positivity about our district and the amazing things that are happening it gives me an opportunity to bring in new administrators, new teachers, new classified personnel, and really kind of re-empower what we're doing now. Again, and I say it's still post-pandemic. It's going to be post-pandemic for a while. And we have a lot of work to do, a lot of students with needs, and it's not easy work, but I got to tell you, I love the work. And so I'm finding that, again, there's there, this is the right place right now, uh, and I hope that continues. So. I just yeah. hope people find a way. It's okay. Yeah. And you said in the pre-chat how being a school psychologist and working in this, as a school administrator has really helped you in this current role. And I know right now as we're recording, it's the recruiting time of year. So, um, you That's know, trying right. to find people uh, to fill some Come of those on and join positions. Me. <laughs> <laughs> Antioch Unified, run and join. Uh, but yeah, we, we really, we had a recruitment fair just this last Saturday uh, and you know, I love getting out and talking to our yeah. teachers, uh, beginning interested folks. And it, it's really, we are not alone in a district that has needs. Many sure. of our districts, in fact, probably all have some needs right now. And it really, I think, is encumbered upon all of us to help each other uh, to talk about the positive things that are happening in education and the difference that uh, new folks can make. Uh, and so I, I'm just thrilled to be able to in, be in this role and really speak up again, my current district, Antioch Unified School District in Northern California, uh, but really all of our districts and what we're doing in education. I think it's a great time for us. Uh, we do have some great and more money than we've had in the past to do some things differently. Uh, so the places that are innovative, like for us right now, and I'll just add in, uh, you know, we're doing wellness centers at every one of our elementary schools. 
we're expanding our restorative practices for our middle schools and high schools. Uh, we really have a focused educational service department that is not just on the academics, but the entire wellness circle for students. Uh, and so with what I've been able to do in the past, it really does align in supporting our human resources to support that system and growing. Uh, so it's really a great match for me. Uh, and again, I, I see some really wonderful things happening in education right now. Yeah, it's really learning to take care of staff um, so they can better take care of our students. <laughs> yes, indeed. And speaking about self-care, um, I, I mentioned in the pre-chat, you know, I see how you and your wife end up uh, traveling quite a lot. You seem to really have a good uh, work-life balance. Um, you said your wife is now a retired educator, but tell me a little bit about how she uh, maybe pushes you to take uh, more time for yourself as opposed to when you're a principal and had 80 hour work weeks. Right. And it, you know, it really has been a, a, a focus choice, you know, to really not continue those long hours because it's too easy to do as an educator. We can sometimes negate, negate our family. We can sometimes right. forget the things at home. We can sometimes focus so much and there's so much to be done. Uh, but it was really a conscious process for me to be able to, you know, respect my relationship with my wife of, you know, 35 years. And, and when she decided she was going to retire and she retired in May of 2020 uh, and really COVID aside, she had planned uh, to retire at 25 years. Uh, and she herself had gone through a level of transition to focus on her, her, uh, health uh, and became through the process of her last couple of years of teaching a certified personal trainer. And she wanted to really focus on not just her own health, but our health and the health of others in our community. And so th that's been a great transition for her to really be able to find something else that she loved in addition to teaching. So now for her to be able to teach and connect and do differently uh, is amazing. And when we decided, you know, yeah, I'm going to go back to work and I want to do this for me, for us. Uh, I also made a commitment that, you know, we're going to also not just get trapped in a work cycle, that we had to have our time together. Uh, we had to have time to explore the world, whether that world was our local town. And we were hiking 20 miles a week within the town or it was going on, you know, little adventures or big adventures. Uh, and we kind of thought this through when our kids were little, we'd call everything an expedition. Hey, we're going to the post office. And then we'd call it an expedition and we'd point stuff out. And we said, well, they're kind of gone now from the house, yeah. uh, but we can keep doing this. And we didn't have to do that because it was just for them. And so we really made that commitment to keep doing it. So a few weeks ago, we were in Mexico for a weekend, you know, and attending a, a wine and seafood festival. Uh, we're planning a two-week you know, cruise to Alaska. Uh, and, and I feel fortunate, again, that I have the abilities to do that at this point, uh, but it's also in the planning. It's a yeah. lot of planning to accomplish that and to feel good about it. Uh, so I have a great team that I'm leaving things in capable hands with, uh, and that's the delegation side of it. Handling the work, know, not knowing that you're not running from work, uh, sure. but you have a plan for it to continue. Uh, but again, that balance is so easy to negate for us and people sure. feel too overwhelmed. They can get really stuck in a cycle of not feeling the success. Uh, so I never want to be in a position 
uh, where again, you're only balancing one side of the equation and you're losing sight of the other side. Uh, no, so definitely. That's my conscious, uh, you know, process. And, it, does. And with- it does. Yeah, it does take that conscious decision to not let yourself get drowned at work. Well, and no one leave. Yeah. I, simp- I simplify it though, too, for even our teachers who are so committed and they'll want to stay at the site for hours and hours and it, it, it will take its toll. And so coming back to, you know, there's a time, there's a place, we appreciate the dedication. And yet I want our people to be healthy. I want them to be sustainable in their own lives and sustainable as teachers. Uh, so that's one of the other facets within a human resources department that I work on is making sure that we have, you know, training and support for their financial health, training and support if they need to buy a house, training and support if they want to think about their retirement early. So when you plan ahead for these things, there's less anxieties, less tension. Uh, we want our people to stay, you know, for the, the duration and, and long time and feel wonderful uh, about their careers. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely the way to go when you're ahead of HR and really wanting to take care of your staff. Well, we've had a great conversation about your book and uh, your work in education, your resilience story. Out of everything we talked about, what's one thing you'd like listeners to remember? Oh, my gosh. You know, I, I, I'll i keep it simple. I, I think it's a matter of remembering that it sometimes are the simple moments that can really make a dramatic difference. Uh, and I am oftentimes reminded of that by people kind of coming up and saying, hey, I remember and I remember. And so... I was at dinner in our local town the other night and just kind of out, you know, having a drink and having an appetizer. And I looked across the room and I'm like, I think that's Mr. Coleman. I think it's Mr. Coleman. And it was a parent of a student, probably from some now 18 years ago, sure. who was at one of my schools. Uh, and uh, his, his child, Jonathan, uh, it was kind of in a classroom with a not so wonderful and amazing teacher, because every once in a while that happens. Uh, And so as a young assistant principal, I worked through a process, worked to support them. And and we made some transitions. And in any case, Jonathan finished that year. But then he became kind of one of the guides within our process of managing my PE. As a fifth grader, as a sixth grader, he was managing PE. He was Because he, he was just a talented young man. Yeah. And so, you know, he said, oh, okay, bye, Jonathan. And off he goes and off I go. Well, years later, he's now working at a high school where I used to work at. And he's a community resource officer. And yeah. he helps to connect families and parents. And anyway, Mr. Coleman comes over and he says, hey, Mr. Martinez. And I said, oh, Mr. Coleman, how you doing? And so he actually reaches out. We hug. And I'm like holy smokes, I didn't do anything grand or special in my life for Jonathan, but it was the simple things of taking care of business at the time. And that parent remembered. And years later, you know, Jonathan's now a father and he's got his own child and he's got a, a good job and he's a functioning adult. And I had very little to do with that other than securing his educational process in classrooms and supporting then years ago, but this parent remember. And those are the simple things that there's a lot of moments like that. Sure. 
And we may never see the thank you years later even, but we have to know that we were making a difference. So mm-hmm. keep it simple, but keep making a difference every day. Uh, and so that's what I'd like everybody to kind of keep remembering. You do make a difference. Uh, you may not see it, you know, you may not heard it yesterday, may not even get the acknowledgement today, but you're changing the future for people. Mm-hmm. And uh, such a valuable, valuable place to be in education. Yeah, that's so important to remember. Like you said, we may not hear it. It may come 18 years later, but, you know, it's uh, it's those lives that you touch. Where, where, where can people connect with you and find you online? All over the place. Now, I, I actually, I use Twitter a lot. Uh, I'm, you know, you can find me resiliency guy. That's kind of the handle on Twitter, on Instagram. I, uh, I'm on LinkedIn as Dr. Rob Martinez, but resiliency guys thrown in there somewhere. I have a Facebook page. I do have a blog and I'll be the first one to say, I haven't written on the blog in a little bit. I was so focused on the book, uh, the, the work of the book, but I'm re-engaging and I'm writing things down. So I'm probably going to reinitiate the blog and kind of have some things come out there. Okay. Um, through the process of working with, again, the Dave Burgess group, uh, we do have a book study in progress as well. Okay. And so people will be able to connect through that, whether they take the book study documentation and they want to work through with a team and, and the book, that's one way to do it. Uh, they can also reach out to me and, hey, my email is out there. It's resiliencyguy at gmail.com. So okay. you know, I want to get, you know, just touch base, connect with me. Uh, that's a great way to do it. I even have a TikTok, but I only think I have about four or five videos out there. But <laughs> and we'll see if they let us to keep them. What now? Then we'll we'll expand it. But yeah, you know, I have yeah. some ideas about getting more kind of video lessons out there. But quite frankly, I also love to be with people. Yeah. Uh, so you know, planning to be at the uh, Teach Better conference again, and I do some work with the Association of California School Administrators, hoping to be out there across California. But uh, Again, I feel I'm going to be working for a few more years at least and then see what other opportunities and where maybe the message can resonate. So there's always good time to plan for the future, but people can reach out to me and find me all over the place. Hey, well, it's been a pleasure having you on the Out of the Trenches podcast today. I've learned so much from you and uh, highly suggest people to pick up your book and connect with you if you're interested in chatting about uh, HR and some of your thoughts and yeah, just reading uh, your blog that you're picking up, maybe picking up um, the, the, I I assume the book study information will be on the Dave Burgess site. Right. On the Dave Burgess site, DBC incorporated books, but yeah, at Dave Burgess. Okay. Thank you so much, Dana. I greatly appreciate touching base with you and sharing, you know, it's, it's, it's what Mm -hmm. I look at and just sharing information and hopefully it it helps somebody, you know, keep, keeping the career. Because we need everybody. Yeah, that's definitely true. Thank you. My book, Out of the Trenches, Stories of Resilient Educators, has now been published. You can access it through Amazon. You can buy it at the Road to Awesome website, or you can get it through my website at danagoodier.com. Please leave a review, and you can also access it on Kindle. Check out the show notes on danagoodier.com to learn more about this guest and links to their social media. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review wherever you download this podcast. 
Tell your friends and colleagues about it. And if this episode resonates, especially with you, be sure to share it out on social media and tag me at Out of Trenches. Thank you.